Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, before the show starts, I just want to give you guys a heads up. We've been getting uh, hit with these fraudulent copyright claims uh, that continue to uh, keep us from being able to download episodes and and then upload to Anchor. Um, it's been kind of a problem. We're just working through it uh, as quickly as we possibly can. So I'm sorry that these episodes have not been uploaded uh, quickly as I should be uploading them. Um, but we are getting it figured out and this episode is now up. I will have two episodes up today. If you're listening to this right now, it is Thursday, February 23rd, um, and we have a show tonight live uh, with Scott Horton to go over the stuff about the uh, Rage Against the War Machine rally. I would love for you guys to come and hang out on the YouTube channel and and uh, talk about it in the chat and all that stuff if you'd like to. Uh, it will be at 7.30 p.m. Central Time tonight at uh, February 23rd, Thursday. Um, and you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com backslash fight the despots, D E S P O T S fight the despots. Uh, I look forward to seeing you guys there tonight. Thank you for everything. And without further ado, here's your episode. To another episode of Break the Cycle. Me, your host, Joshua Smith. Hope everyone's having a wonderful Tuesday. Tuesday. It is Tuesday. Yeah. We made it. We made it to Tuesday. It's only Tuesday. Fuck, dude. Jeez, that hurts, bro. That hurts my heart. I don't know. Whatever. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I don't know. Uh, guys, we got a great show for you tonight. Very, very excited. Uh, sorry about no shows last week. We were going through some shit. I've been dealing with some shit. Sick, ba- sick babies. We got four. We got four sick ones right now, uh, and my fiance as well, and me getting over a sickness. So if I sound like shit tonight, it's because I'm—I've been sick. What do you want from me? I don't know. What, I don't know what to tell you guys. Uh, let's check in with our wonderful co-hosts. Of course, they'll be sharing the couch and mic tonight. Mr. AJ Fisher and Mr. Ryan Kurtz. Or how are you guys doing? Tonight? I'm doing good. How's everybody doing? I don't. I hope everyone can hear you guys. Yeah. That- I hope so too. Uh, let me let me check. Can I get some yepcocks? Yepcocks in the chat for this gentleman. He's gonna ask you every single time you're here. That's just how it works. Uh, if you don't know that, that's too bad for you. What's up, guys? Oh, we got we got some cool people coming in the chat already. We got David the Young Meacock, Ezra Wyrick. What's going on, guys? Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. We appreciate you. Before we get too far into this, let's check out some sponsors. Of course, we got TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break Cycle, where you can get this great Read Mises Not Mark shirt that you see me wearing tonight by using BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. Or you can join the Patreon, subscribe, star, become a member of the YouTube channel under all of our videos by hitting the join link. 
where you can get into a private Discord server and get up to 30% off of all of Top's new gear two weeks before it goes to the general public. Great deal. If you guys are doing five or 10 bucks a month for the show uh, and buying Top Lobster's new gear, you're actually saving money and supporting both of us. It's savage. It's a really good thing to do. Uh, plus, we are working on getting people uh, flown into the studio, which is really important. Um, so any support for the show goes towards that. We appreciate you guys dearly. Uh, also, somebody was emailing me this week asking me about gear for the show. What do we still need? Um, and there is some gear that we need. So I'm going to start putting up a wish list from our Amazon into the, the description of the videos. Um, and then if you guys want to help us with stuff like some people have emailed and asked about, then you can do that. And uh, as we get stuff, we'll take it off the list so you guys know that um, it's already bought. Uh, so we appreciate that. Thanks for reaching out to me this week, guys. It's uh, it's definitely important. We're going to need some more gear to start doing the in-person stuff. Uh, so we we definitely appreciate it. Uh, also, go check out Peace Hawk Coffee. Uh, with this small coffee roasting business, Peace Hawk will sell delicious micro-batch roasted coffee online while donating at least $1 of every pound sold to worthy foreign aid organizations like Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation, who has expressed support for this project. Uh, while their initial focus will be on Yemen, Ethiopian coffees, they also have some affordable Central American varieties available too. They're great, by the way. We have the Honduran one. It's really good stuff. Uh, however, Peaceful, Peace Hawk will always donate at least $1 from every pound sold to worthy foreign aid organizations. When you buy Peace Hawk coffee, you're not only buying great coffee, you have a chance to support the economies of countries struggling against the effects of war, support stellar private aid fi uh, foundations doing life-saving work abroad, support stateside peace activists like myself, like Mr. Will Hobson, who started this, co uh, this company, and pretty much everyone who's ever been on the show. Uh, the name Peace Hawk will be the counter to Warhawk, who is aggressively pro-peace. Uh, this, uh, uh, who is aggressively pro-war, sorry. This company will be aggressively pro-peace. Uh, sign up at the email list today at peacehawk.coffee. Uh, that will get you guys onto the email list so you know when this stuff goes live, how you can order it, how you can help uh, this great foundation doing wonderful work. So uh, please go do that for me. I'd appreciate you guys. Uh, we got... We got, you know what? No streams have been hijacked by hot, sexy stingles in a while. Yeah, that's true. We haven't gotten spammed with that in a while. <laughs> we scared them all off. We scared them all off. Yeah, fuck them. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. Uh, guys, we got great guests for you tonight. I'm very, very excited. Uh, let me unmute. Now that the, the welcome music is over, we can unmute the desktop audio. Uh, the welcome When the welcome music's playing, if I have the desktop audio on, it's OBS. We'll just double that shit, and then it echoes. Oh, gotta love it. Yeah, it sucks real bad. I You know what? I probably... um. I do have the HyperX uh, mic already muted, so we don't have to worry about that echo at least. Uh, guys, uh, great show on YouTube called The Lore Lodge. Uh, they do really great work uh, around uh, missing people. It's true crime, missing missing person style. Uh, they have even, I believe, once helped find somebody, so we will uh, we will definitely be talking about that. Uh, but we're happy to have our friend, it, it, not in the studio, but uh, close, close enough, Mr. Aiden Mattiser. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm in, I'm in my studio. We're we're studioing together. We're in it's, studios, okay? You know what I mean? Virtual studio. Yeah, in studios. Yeah, exactly. I like that. I like studio that Eskimo siblings. I I do have to say I will not take credit for uh for for helping to find anyone still alive, but I I right. have helped uh <laughs> yeah. with um with a couple of yeah, I, I was I was the one who broke the Gabby Petito story and uh, I we did also solve the boy in the box case earlier uh at the very end of 2022. So we we totally accidentally got into true crime and then turned out that uh, we had a good set of research skills and we've kind of been dabbling in it since. It's almost crazy when like regular people that uh, can use YouTube do a better job than the cops. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, most of something that's very consistent in basically every show we do, which of course, it, you know, missing people aren't the only thing we talk about, but we do we do like talking about it. Um it's it's become kind of our bread and butter to talk about these missing 401 cases. Right. But the fact of the matter is, the more I research these, uh we you know, we got a uh, David Politis who's a, an ex-police detective. He's the guy who started the whole phenomenon and everything, but he definitely has kind of a pro-police bias. Um, which I, I don't, I'm, I'm not one of those people who like, I see a police officer and I immediately dislike them. Like right. I, I'm maybe a bit wary and cautious, but, uh, there's, there's very little criticism of the police in his work. And as we're doing these, probably a third of the cases we come across, had the police been a bit more on the ball, they might've actually been able to figure it out, solve it. Not, not always save somebody's life, but at the very least, you know, Get some closure. Bring some closure faster. Uh, the one that sticks out to me is Charles McCuller, which uh, we we just did. The FBI, basically, despite the fact that there was no feasible physical way this guy could have gotten uh, 12 miles into Crater Lake National Park with 90 inches of snow on the ground, the FBI just kept saying, no, we don't think it's foul play. And it's like, mm, well, he it certainly wasn't that he just went there. Right. Well, and it's like the woods, the woods around there. So I had a really cool story because that was his most recent episode. And I watched it yeah. at work the other day and, and I watched it because I saw specifically Crater Lake. Now, I lived in Oregon for seven years and Oregon is a really great place if you don't live in Portland. <laughs> I, I mean that. But yeah, avoid... I hear that a lot about Washington and Oregon. Yeah, Washington's the like, same. As long as you don't live in Seattle. <laughs> yes, Wa- Washington is the same way. Seattle is great to visit. Portland is great to visit. Living in mm-hmm. those cities sucks ass. So if I yeah, lived I in Chaz, does that technically count as not living in Seattle? No, that's like that is actually the heart uh, of Seattle. That's right? worst. <laughs> but I, we, it was autonomous though. When I lived, they in, tried something like that in Philly, and it did not go well. Yeah, I could, I could imagine that. <laughs> Philly's, Philly's the same place where, uh, is it wasn't it Philly where, or was that Detroit? I can't remember. Black Wall Street got bombed by the, the American. Government. No, no, that was. Uh, I wasn't. No, 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 no it wasn't Tulsa. Black Wall Street. It was. Oh, that was Tulsa. Yeah, Black Wall Street. there is the. But no, in the. Uh, I want to say it was the yeah, sixties so, or the eighties. There was something else there, like that in Philly. The Philadelphia police did firebomb an entire neighborhood yeah. over alleged gang activity maybe that's why i'm getting them uh confused with tulsa with the with the black wall street thing yeah. but yeah, yeah i remember i remember a story like that in philadelphia they're the cops there are rough dude oh yeah they don't philly's a rough city i uh back when i was i used to work for a nonprofit called triggered millennials i didn't last very long because the <laughs> ceo was impossible to work with um it was it was a bun it was a gun organization it was a pro-gun company uh and we uh we had a guy reach out to us. His name was, I want to say Demetrius. Um, he had been arrested in Philadelphia on his way back from the shooting range, uh, was completely following the law, had his permit. His gun was, uh, I think in the console, the ammo was stored away in the, um, glove box. They have to be in separate. One of them has to be locked. Um, cop waited for him to come back to his car after spotting the handgun in the console, waited for him to come back to his car, and then basically asked him all his questions, checked his permits, all that, and still arrested him, claiming that the ammunition needed to be in the trunk, not just locked away in the in the glove box. It had to be in the trunk. And of course, he's like, that's not the law. I, I followed the law to the letter. You're this. This is ridiculous. And I uh, the I don't know where the case is now, but at the time that we talked to the guy. His case had been in limbo for two years. He had a, a active felony charge for two years 
because the DA and the police kept pushing off the case and kept delaying the trial. But that meant he had a, a pending felony charge. He couldn't get a job. He couldn't own a firearm. He couldn't he couldn't even buy a car or get a place to live. Like he he was stuck completely all because some random cop decided that, you know what, I'm going to frame this black guy for carrying a gun illegally when he's not doing it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, let me yeah. jump in there real quick. Did you say it was sure. in a glove box? Yeah, it was in the glove box locked up. That's how they got him. That's how they got him. Yep. That's that how is how him. they got them. But it, the law in Philadelphia says, well, it, I, I'm not a lawyer. The law in Philadelphia, but, yeah, with a concealed carry permit in Philly, the law says that the ammunition has to be locked separate from the weapon. It okay. does not Oof. say in the trunk. Okay. Oof. They, and that's why I, they kept pushing off the case, is they knew. <laughs> the law here says you can't, the driver cannot access both of the items yeah. at the same time. So if you have it in your glove box, you can put 80 locks that's not on the law it. It doesn't matter. That law you changed. can access yeah. it. That law, that law, ridiculous. that no, law no, has changed now. I know. I'm it saying, has, I'm saying yeah. it used to be, oh, you, used you to could, be. if you could yeah. access it from the driver's yeah. seat, then they counted them as together. Yeah. We, we, that is still the law here with liquor. <laughs> of course. Uh, that's it, it, in, in Iowa, we have constitutional carry now, so yeah. you can basically walk into a store, buy a gun, walk out and put it wherever the fuck you want. Yeah. It's yeah. just how it is now. It's great. You know, uh, but anyways, the story about about Crater Lake, I I uh, lived a little ways away from it, and I decided with a, uh, an ex that we were going to go hiking. We used to hike all the time. There's great hi- that's the best part about the Pacific Northwest is the hikes in the summer. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we were going to go hike and then camp out. Well, we didn't read the fire map, and there was a fire in Crater Lake. So we got there, and we were standing on the top of the crater, and you can't even see the lake from the top of the crater. That's how smoky it was. Still camped out there. In the middle of a forest fire, that was pretty cool. I'm not gonna You're lie. You're insane. Yeah, it was. You're it, insane. it was cool though. <laughs> I am amazed at least once a month that you're still alive. Yep. You know, it's funny you say that because I also am amazed at least once a month that I am still alive. And Ooh. and it's really funny because um, uh, I was one of those people who's like, "There's no way in hell I'm gonna make it to 25 years old." Okay, and we are 20 days away from me making 40. Damn, Damn. it's crazy crazy to me i can't believe I, I made it to 40 or close at least you know you never know you just janked it <laughs> <You just laughs> yeah I, there's a, when i was in the navy when i was in the navy uh i was on the uss constellation and the ship hadn't lost a bird in like 20 years or some 25 mm-hmm. years and the day after they celebrated with a we haven't lost a plane yep. the an s3 viking went off the yeah. side of the deck dude <laughs> it was hilarious hilarious murphy, yeah murphy was crying a tear yeah exactly <laughs> Got him again. Un- undefeated. Undefeated. So why don't you tell me about the Lore Lodge, why you guys start it, uh, what you sure. do, all that good stuff. Yeah, so the whole thing started based off of a, a TikTok video. Um, I was <laughs> I was supposed to be going to grad school. Um, I had worked a, a job in marketing for about a year, decided it wasn't for me, and I wanted to go back to academia, which is something I don't understand why I thought was a good plan. Um Thought maybe I could change something from the inside. Uh, decided to go back, uh, get my my master's, my PhD in history, and so I quit my job, put in my my notice, and all that. Was planning to go to Wales, uh, where I could get a medieval studies master's, which is what I got my undergrad in. And I was just sitting there at my desk, nothing going on. Uh, didn't have any work to do because it was almost my last day. I'm sorry, did Came you just say a- that you got your master's in medieval studies? I was I got my undergrad in medieval studies. I was gonna get my master's in medieval studies as well. Savage. 
fucking yeah. awesome. It's such a fun degree. It is such a fun degree. It's also, it's so far from politics. There's no politics in the medieval period. It's just nonsense. It's great. As, well, there's obviously politics back then, but they don't apply to now very much. Um, I mean, they do, but in really granular, weird ways. Like the origins of like capitalism and the guild system and stuff right, like that. Right. Uh, which is a fun thing to whip out at a party, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, not a no, lot so of job I, uh, prospects like <laughs> exactly. teaching other people about medieval history or running a renaissance fair. That's your <laughs> and that options. was the, that was the most common question I got from people was, oh, medieval studies. That's such a cool degree. What are you going to do with that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just here. I'm going to enjoy just, it. That's what I'm going to yeah, do. I was yeah. I was thinking, you know, I, I had been doing web design freelance for a little while. I was thinking I would probably just end up doing that and do medieval stuff in my free time. Um, but I'm sitting at my desk, you know doing literally that medieval stuff in my free time while I worked in, in digital marketing. And uh, I made a video, somebody, a TikTok came across my page and it was like, uh, what's a conspiracy theory you can't prove, but you hundred percent believe in. And the gist was the national park system was not started uh, for the sole purpose of preserving nature, but because there's something weird going on in those spots. Um, initially this was like a, a conspiracy theory that my buddies and I had kind of joked about we believed there was some degree of truth to it, but we were definitely just joking about it at the time. And it was related to the missing 411 phenomenon and all of that. We weren't sure precisely what it was. I made the argument that it's the Wendigo. Uh, and that just blew the hell up. Seven million views brought me from 600 uh, followers to like 50,000 in a week. Um, people were like, oh, start a YouTube channel. Talk about this more in depth. So I did. Uh, and my friends were joking. They're like, oh, you're on TikTok now. Are you going you gonna to join the Hype House? And I was like, well would have to be something more associated with what I talk about. So like maybe the lore lodge and uh, that's where we got that. And then I, uh, you know, the whole thing had kind of started with the missing four on one thing. That's where the theory about the national parks came from and what is it that's taking people. And right. that's where we got Wendigo. So over time, it, it's a, it's evolved quite a bit. We talk about missing persons cases. We talk about history. We have a Bible podcast with Wendigoon. Um, but yeah, the whole thing kind of got started because um, something weird is going on in our national park system, and it's also just a phenomenal allegory for not trusting the government. Right. If I can convince people not to trust the National Park Service by telling them <laughs> all of the times the National Park Service has failed to do its job and lied to people, well, if the National Park Service is even doing it, what's the, what's the rest of the government not telling Kind of like, listen, if the IRS has a SWAT team and the, exactly. and the school board has a SWAT team, you're living in fascism, buddy. So, I'm telling exactly. You right I think you know, that's kind of been the general gist of it. In the next <laughs> couple of months, we're going to have a new national park. It's going to be East Palestine, Ohio. Yeah, no oh, shit, dude. No shit, yeah. bro. It's fucking bad there right no, now. No, it's Palestine. Palestine, yeah. Palestine. Don't call it Palestine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't call it Palestine. What's Hey, Aiden, can you break down sure. the Wendigo legend for, the, for sure. the lay people that may be listening? Yeah, so th this is, without a doubt, one of my favorite... Um, topics in folklore because it also probably it, it, whether it's real or not whether there is a monster called the wendigo um there is something called wendigo psychosis which is when you eat a human being for any reason and then become convinced that you are craving the flesh of humans um it was believed to be culture bound to the algonquin people but that was probably just uh old-timey scientists and doctors who were kind of racist um but <laughs> 
that's, that's got to be they? what it was. Or uh, were they? <laughs> but the, the Algonquin peoples, who it's a, a language group, uh, mostly in Canada, but it does stretch down into the Chesapeake Bay. Um, so they had a legend of what they called the Wendigo. And uh, the, anybody watching this might be familiar with it and is like, oh, my God, they're saying the word. You're not supposed to do that. That's the, no, that's that's fake. That is introduced by Europeans. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. So it, there, it's you're not supposed to talk about it necessarily, but it's not like it's going to summon it right to you. That's not anywhere in it. That was added by Europeans in like the 1900s. Um, but yeah, so the Wendigo itself is a either a demonic entity or a transformation that you undergo where upon eating another human being out of desperation, it's often associated with winter, with the cold, uh, trapped hunting parties, things like that. When you gotcha. eat that person, you uh, become what's called a Wendigo, and that varies depending on which tribe you're talking to. But in some, it's as simple as a human being who gets superhuman speed and strength, but also is eternally hungry for human flesh, no matter how much of it they eat. That is the base version of it. Either that can happen because of a demonic entity that possesses you and forces you to undergo a transformation, or it's a, a magical thing that happens because of the creator being or something like that. And these creatures then go on to uh, just, you know, prowl the forests, eating human beings. There's one story of a a little uh, the, the word used by the Ojibwa in this story is Indian boy who is captured by a Wendigo. And every day the Wendigo cuts the skin on his palm to see if he's if he's gotten fat enough to eat. But he still has to feed the little boy. So he takes him to a village and he's like, don't tell any of the villagers that I'm a Wendigo. And the little kid goes in. And of course, he tells all the villagers you know, like a little snitch. Um, and, <laughs> and so the, the village is like, yeah, we'll, we'll handle the Wendigo problem for you. And they put together a posse, they go hunt it down, they chop off its legs and then they go home. And then a few days later, they go back to check on it and it's sucking the barrow, the bone marrow out of its own legs. So that's what you, that's what this creature is. Did it, is it real or did it come out of a taboo to prevent cannibalism? Was there a, a tribe? Were there people who went off into the woods and, you know, lived alone and also ate people? We don't know the necessary origins of it, but it's one of those things that has enough details that, like, this is probably something that is in some way real. Just to what extent is it actually supernatural versus a, a tale that evolved over time? There, and that's the fun part to study. Is there a large overlap with Wendigo, uh, Wendigo cultures believing in that and bear territory? Yeah, but that's mostly because bear territory in the northern United States and Canada is just the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. For the at least, especially for them, back before they were being hunted to extinction. Some, somebody uh, that somebody in the comments said that the Wendigos in uh, in Appalachia stand like in the Appalachian mountains. Okay, um, it's it's a little weird with that. It's kind of made its way down. Right. It's not originally from that region, but it definitely has made its way down there. And in my opinion, that comes out of. Uh, the fact that this is that the Wendigo is not the only thing like this. You know, in Tennessee, you've got the tree people in uh, Vancouver. You've got the uh, they're called Sasquets. These uh, the Greenland, the Adlet. You've got these humanoid creatures that are also cannibals that live off in the forests. And the Native Americans have basically anywhere there's woods and cold weather. The Native Americans have these stories. Yeah, maybe it was just their way of uh not having to bitch out about going to somewhere cold. You know what I mean? They're like, no, we hey. can't go there. There's cannibals, dude. Yeah. 
Listen, so, listen at, at the, the very at the very least, it's that they were trying to be like, "Hey, don't do cannibalism; it'll turn you into a monster." Yeah, it, it was, they were like, "Hey, hey, listen, we can't go to that place because there's fucking cannibals." Yeah, dog. you know what I mean. You. Like, we gotta stay away from there because there's cannibals. <laughs> and really, they're like, "Dude, it's negative forty there, bro. We're not going to that fucking <laughs> yeah. place." You know what yeah. I mean? Like, no way are we going there. Fuck that. Uh, what about? Have you ever come across the the term Namakush? Namakush. That's actually yeah. a new one for me. Oh, okay. Because I I'm think that's that around. Up. Yeah, I think that's around this area in Iowa. I want to say like the Tamer region. Yeah. Uh, they call it the Namakush, and that's their. I mean, it, Namakush it's, I see is a well, it's more a of a fish. Bigfoot. I used it's to more... I used to smoke some nam- Namakush <laughs> back in my day. Let me tell you guys, back in my day, we were smoking all the Namakush. Uh, you know what yeah. I mean? What, can you tell me more about this Namakush, dude? Yeah, the, well, I got orange it was hairs, several years ago when I was hairs. looking into it, but I was looking into like every tribe seems to have their own word or their same, you know, different mm-hmm. term for people of the forest. You know, they don't say Bigfoot, they don't say Sasquatch. Yeah. Um, so Namakush, I believe, is like, I don't want you well, Iowa is named after the Iowa Indians. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's an Iowa term, but I think it's like a Midwestern uh, tribe term for it. Huh. Do you know um, how it's spelled? Yeah, I want to say it's like N A M A C U S H. C U S H. Namakush, yeah. C U S H. Not K U S H. Yeah, we weren't smoking that shit if it had a C. Anyway, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to find it somewhere because um, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that came it's, up. It, and you're not wrong. It's uh, the the Saskets are probably the one that comes to mind the most. It's like these. Uh, they're six foot six to seven feet tall. They have very uh, broad shoulders and chests. And they live in caves and tunnels under mountains way out in the forest, uh, according to the the folklore of the the region. This is the shit, the Shehalish people. Um, oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's Washington. All fascinating stuff. Yep, that's the exact people it's named for. That's right. And the term the term Sasquatch does come from Saskets. It was a guy named J. W. Burns who was conducting some ethnography studies. Uh, not quite studies, but it was the 1920s. But like he was conducting some ethnography work. And he managed to embed himself within a uh, Coast, Salish, Coast, Coast Salish community in uh, British Columbia. And they told him about their encounters with the Saskets. And in some cases, they can even speak human language. So the, that version, obviously the Sasquatch we have now today is this you know, Bigfoot, hairy ape thing, primate. Um, their version of it was much more along the lines of a divergent hominid. I like to think uh, that uh, my, my, you know, you guys have seen uh, Talladega Nights where he's like, well, my baby Jesus is up front row <laughs> watching Leonard Skinner with a pair of golden angel wings like this. So I'm about to do that too, but I'm going to do it about Sasquatch. My Sasquatch, yeah. okay? My, I mm. like to picture my Sasquatch as the same Sasquatch from the movie Harry and the Hendersons. Okay. Yes. Like I could just That's feed him. Picture. Yeah. Like I could just feed him cheeseburgers from McDonald's yeah. and he's going to, he's going to like protect me from like the bad hunter man and, uh, then I'm going to have to slap him and make him go back in the forest to leave my family because he loves us so much. You know what I mean? Like that's my yeah. version of Bigfoot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, What's your uh, version of Bigfoot like there, Ryan? Well, fun fact about Bigfoot, the number of Bigfoot and Sasquatch sightings has uh, dropped dramatically since the invention of glasses. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> that makes so a lot of sense. Say it's bears too. You don't. You don't believe, do you? You don't no, even no, believe. No, not really. What a fool! Big, Bigfoot is one of those that's really fun because, as far as like conspiracy theories go, it's one of the least harmful. 
And it's also one of the most commonly believed. Yeah. And it's one of the ones that's like, all right, maybe. You know what? I, I could see it. It's, I, it's the, fun for, for me. For me, I, I err on the side of Bigfoot's not real in the in the sense of like the the, the seven foot tall hairy ape man in all of those videos. But I'm definitely more open to the possibility of like tribes of wild men who were less civilized than the other Native Americans and for that reason were classified differently. Because in some of these cases, they're like, oh no, the Saskats, they're not like us. They're they're not Indians. They're they're something else. Um, and then in some cases they're like, oh yeah, they're 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 also us, but we don't they're not like us. Like right. um, right. you know, I, I mean think about it like with uh with the Norse, they had berserkers, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And a lot of the time, berserkers would go off into the woods and live like animals for a time, and then come home. Now we don't totally understand what the berserkers were up to. We're we're still the jury's out on that one. Um, sometimes it's believed that they put themselves into a trance through meditation. Some people believe that it was hallucinogenic drugs, there we um, go. mushrooms, and things yeah. like that. Uh, we don't quest. totally they know. They were on a vision quest. Yeah, but it's it, it's, it's, a, it's exactly, a specific mushroom, and it's stunningly similar to certain native american traditions um there's also stories from uh certain the 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 inuit have the adlet and their story about the adlet involves a woman having children with a dog and sending the the that she half the kids are half human half dog half of them are dogs and she sends the dogs off to the east and they become europeans and the half men half dogs she sends off to canada and they become wild men who live in the the the, the woods but if you think about how many similarities there really are between Ulfhednar, who were Norse berserkers that wore wolf skins on their heads and behaved like wolves uh, in battle, versus things like the Skinwalker of uh, Navajo mythology and legend, which the Navajo, of course, are not native. We, we believe they are not native to the American Southwest. They're probably up from Canada, right. northern Canada. So these all these groups who live around the Arctic Circle have some very similar legends. It's uh, it's crazy. This might be one of my favorite shows I've done. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I uh, just be the first case of weaponized autism. Yeah, it could be. It could be. No, for sure. They ate certain mushrooms and they would hallucinate, yeah. and they would sometimes attack their own. Yeah, Ryan, you would you would they know would this if you would do some mushrooms with us, dude. You would figure it out. They right they yeah. did. If they did do mushrooms, they were doing a wild amount. Of oh yeah, mushrooms. yeah, a massive amount of yeah, a massive dose. Dude, like, dude, like, like super, super Dorito bag full. That's, yeah, that's what we did in high school. I don't like, know. Yeah, they're great fighters, but like you kind of had to give them some distance because they would fight you. They'd <laughs> yeah. fight anybody. Yeah, it's well with with much like psilocybin, for example, really heightens your pattern seeking capabilities, but it also screws with your with other faculties. So you're <laughs> you're going to see patterns that yeah. nobody else is seeing, and you're probably going to be able to predict people's movements to an extent. Um but you're going to lose certain things. It's going to numb you up a little bit. You're not going to feel hunger. You're going to feel less pain. And you also probably aren't going to make decisions about who is your friend and enemy quite as easily. Hold on. Somebody hold gets on. you. You're, what? Oh, sure. no. No. Uh, I was just wanted to. I wanted to hash out. We got a couple super chats. Brady mm -hmm. Burleson threw $2 super chat. He says, hello. Ezra Wyrick threw $2 super chat. He said, part Cherokee. So I've heard some stories. Uh, of course, you're white with blue eyes. You're part Cherokee. We've talked about that on the show. Oh, that's right. That's how it works. Every <laughs> single white person with blue eyes that tells me they're part, part Native American are, are Cherokee. 
every single one of them. I am part Native American, but I am I have blue eyes and I was born with blonde hair, but I am not Cherokee. We were cr- uh, Creek Indian from the Oklahoma area. Uh, but um, then somebody, somebody, I just wanted to hit this one chat before we go any further. Uh, JC says, was this woman who had half canine children white by any chance? <laughs> she she was in fact Inuit. Yeah. She was in fact Inuit. Okay. I was going to make a similar joke yeah. that, oh, classic that white women came from you know <laughs> having sex with a dog i think i don't think i don't think we have to i don't think we have to even guess i mean it's 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 pretty sure we could look up her uh you know her early life if we need mm-hmm. to but I'm, i bet she was a white woman yep. okay so if psilocybin increases pattern seeking behavior yeah, i'm boss. just gonna turn into a mega autist on it you already are one though, dude. so it's not like no but i think it'll be like the opposite like you give the hyperactive kids uh ritalin and it calms them down hey you want to know something i hilarious? think it'll have an it's opposite true. effect it does do that caffeine also makes kids go to sleep yeah, yeah that's how it works for me with my adhd when i drink i'll drink coffee right before bed and go pass out easily oh, i don't know Very how easily. you do that one it's the adhd dude it's like reverse effect right. on me but you guys want to know something funny uh next tuesday sure. next tuesday toad will be on the show we're gonna see. We're gonna see who can out autism who uh, between Toad and Ryan. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're gonna see who could who could do the who could do the biggest autism out of the two. It'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't have anything against autistic people. We're we're all autistic, so in our yeah, own I, ways. I, I did want to mention because the Cherokee were brought up. They also have something called that that the, the the white folk call the Cherokee Devil. Their term for it is uh, Tsulkalu, and it's very similar to the Saskets and the Tennessee wild man and the tree people in that it's uh in this case, these guys are giants. They live off in the mountains and they're phenomenal hunters. And this Cherokee woman, according to the story, this younger Cherokee woman, she needs a husband. And one day she awakes to a Tsulkalu uh, knocking on her door and she invites it in. She speaks to it and she says, oh, well, I can only marry a great hunter. And he's like, well, I'll bring you all sorts of stuff. And she, she, he brings them, entire trees and whole deer and things like that uh and finally you know it wants uh, her mom wants to meet this new man and uh so she's like okay but you can't you can't freak out he looks a little different and so of course the mom comes out sees the sulkalu who's a nine foot tall hairy giant with slanted eyes and a flat nose and uh freaks out because of course um the Sukalu runs off into the mountains with the the girl they are married they have fun and he goes they often live with his people in the mountain which sounds extremely similar to the Saskets of British Columbia despite the fact that we're talking about what, what 4000 miles of difference here 2000 3000 yeah so there's there's stories from all over the Americas of uh giants and very very similar giants, even between vastly different tribes. Nephilim giants? Oh, don't get me started, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yes. I can go full autist on the Nephilim. Oh my I goodness. Do. Are you serious? Can yes, you? yes. I've I've looked into this like, Have you read really Enoch? heavily. Have you read Enoch? He just asked. No, no, I haven't, but the You gotta but, read first Enoch. Oh. Well well, like the the Genesis story about like yeah. the King James mention of the Nephilim. Mm-hmm. But the the Hebrew translation more accurately translates to fallen ones. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily yep. that they were giants. Uh, it's essentially that there were two societies at the time, one that were the descendants of Seth and one that they were the de- were the descendants of Cain's. And the Nephilim, the fallen ones, were defectors from the society that were the descendants of Seth 
that went over to the descendants of Cain and had the children of those defectors with like the descendants of Cain. Mm -hmm. Their children were like unusually strong or something, and they were called the fallen ones because of that. That's crazy. That is that is the tame one. <laughs> I, you guys want to hear? You guys want to hear yes. the? Uh, Here we go. Let's do the it. A really supernatural one. Yes. Yes. That that was the correct mainstream Christian theological one. Um, if you, good. thank you, Ryan. If you, thank you, Ryan. Very good, oh, Ryan. We're I, very I, proud yeah, of you, buddy. I just thought that <laughs> through myself. Very good, buddy. That, <laughs> that actually is the, the that is the mainstream theology on that passage. It's Genesis six four. Um, so <laughs> if you go and you look into some more, uh, I, I don't know the right word for it, but uh, I guess eccentric uh, scholarship. Uh, Doctor Michael Heiser being my favorite. You get, uh, and especially if you read First Enoch, because First Enoch comes completely from a different angle, and it says that. Uh, and keep in mind, this was probably written around 300 BC. We don't have extant Hebrew copies of it. We only have the Ethiop. We have the English translation, obviously, but the uh, the earliest translation we have is an Ethiopic translation of a Greek translation of a Hebrew translate or a Hebrew text. So we're we're working with Oof. like four translations here. Woof. Um. The Enoch version is very specific, and it says that the Watchers, who are a group of angels specifically tasked with watching over humanity, um, kind of look at the, the Earth and they go, we could rule that shit. Um, so instead of doing their job of watching over, they make a pact that they will, any any punishment of visited upon any one of them will be visited upon all of them. And they're like, God's not going to punish all of us, right? Never challenge the God of the, the Old Testament. Yeah, you that's will a lose. terrible, <laughs> terrible idea. Terrible. The, idea. the God of the New Testament is kind of like, you know, I would like if you were a good person. <laughs> Old Testament God is like, you, you, your entire city is gay. I'm nuking it. That is Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, that, that is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Hey, you know, also, I, really, I will look literally it, go I'm house turning you to, to house. Salt. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, no, it's, it's mean, that kind of thing. But I mean, in, in the Enoch version, they say, right, we're going to go down. Flooding the, the entire world. You know? Yeah. And this is why he floods the world yeah. is, is that uh, the, this group of 20 angels led by a guy named an angel named Samyaza, uh, they gather all of their lieutenants. So it's a total of 200 and they go down to Mount Hermon and there they make their, their pact that they're going to any punishment visit upon any one of them, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then these these angels each start teaching humanity different skills they didn't previously have. For example, the angel Azazel uh, teaches all of humanity how to use metal, how to do metalworking, how to mine, how to use metal for makeup, things like that. And eventually, Michael finds out about all of this nonsense and uh, tells God. And God's like, we're going to need to do something about this because what's going on, and this is what spurs Michael to do something – is they start having those angels start having children with human women and that creates these beings called the nephilim which in the ethiopic translation of the greek translation of the hebrew uh they're ten thousand feet tall but the thing is in the bible numbers tend to be unless it's an extraordinarily specific number like say 713 um that that you can guess was probably an exact number if it's something like 10,000 40,000 something like that it's just saying it was a big number um so what you get is that these these angels have children with humans and they turn into they turn out to be these extraordinarily powerful human beings. They are taller, they are stronger, they are faster, they are smarter. 
And over time, this this is the Enochian uh, version of Genesis, so to speak. Over time, that bloodline becomes completely ubiquitous throughout the world. So it's not in in Genesis when it says that uh, Noah was perfect in his generations. The argument is that that's not saying that everyone in Noah's family was without sin, that they were all righteous. The argument is that Noah was pure blood. He was pure human, descended from Adam and Eve through Seth, pure human being, no angelic DNA. And that is why he was chosen to be the one who survived the flood and repopulated the earth is because it was the lowest amount of angelic DNA you could get in the human population. Um, and then the flood comes and wipes everything out and we resettle the world. And then of course, it's just a coincidence that the Ark settled on Mount Ararat and that uh, Gebekli Tepe is just Southwest of the mountains of Ararat and that Babylonia is just South of that. That's all coincidence. That's totally not connected. So, you, so I was actually going to bring up uh, Ararat here. I, mm-hmm. I was going to talk about that a little bit because I just watched a really cool documentary about that, of course, put together by, by the church. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of debate over whether that is where the arc is at or not. Yeah. Oh, a for sure. A lot of debate. And there's people that are extremely skeptical of that being the arc. But I watched a really cool documentary on it recently, very recently mm-hmm. in the last couple months that was very convincing that this was a spot. I mean, the guy was dead on on do you know who do you remember who the guy was who was uh no i'm not gonna remember his name i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to like look it back i found Mm -hmm. it like you know when you go on down like rabbit holes on youtube yeah Yeah. you start at one video and then all of a sudden you're watching something like completely different genre (laughs) like youtube's such a weird place dude you get like i don't i can't even explain like i start at true crime like in the morning at work you know what i mean and by the end of the day i'm watching like bum fights or something i'm like how did this happen how did i even get here 3d animated rats yeah yeah exactly like random super random stuff like like uh fan fan fiction like marvel like fan like fan videos that made it but yeah just random like it just goes on forever it never ends it's set up that way that's how the algorithm mm-hmm. is. It's supposed oh, yeah, to 100%. Do that. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to do. I wish the algorithm would show people my videos more often, but that's okay. I understand <laughs> that we get a little we, crazy I, around here. Y- you and I might be able to have a conversation about how to how to fix that. Yeah, you um, you know a little something <laughs> about something with 153,000 uh, subscriptions. Yeah, like. it's it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it took about it, it's been almost two years. It was a lot of learning, but, you know, at this point, I'm like happy to help other people. I. Right. Uh, I do feel bad. I was supposed to watch some of Austin Peterson's videos and help him out with it, but uh, he. By the time I had time to do that, he was doing fine. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I'm still. I'm still trying to figure out the algorithm. I think we've made some strides recently. Yeah. Uh, with knowing to actually put some stuff in the title of the yeah. the episode. Yeah. The, the title needs consistency to be of content is huge too. Yeah. Well, um, this is the so uh, March third will be two years the show has been running. Yeah. And we have done a hundred today. It is a hundred ninety three episode. One hundred ninety three. So I've done a lot of shows. Now I wasn't always consistent. Mm-hmm. I did. There was a, a time there where I was doing five shows a week, Monday through Friday. Oh my god! And that was brutal. Um, we're doing two this shows. Commentary. Now. It's doable. Yeah. It it was it it was a guest. I had guests on all gotcha. the time, so it was a lot Damn. easier. We do we do shows just a us lot of three guests. now sometimes. So yeah, it was a lot of guests. Yep. Um, and so, but then there was a time where there was like a a forty five day period where I didn't do a single show because we got all bogged down and oh, and that god. really threw everything off really bad. And then of course when Twitter decapped us because we used to my click through rate ninety percent of my um my my traffic was coming from Twitter, mm-hmm. and you know I got twenty thousand followers on Twitter and and uh, yeah. 
Twitter removed me November of uh, 2021. Oh, um, what'd you do? Uh, did you did you say some conspiracy theory that turned out to be right? Well, yeah, I haven't ever. I don't think at this point, I don't think I've ever actually really talked about a conspiracy that hasn't come true, uh, yeah. except for maybe nine eleven hasn't come true, and I'm putting air quotes around that. Yeah, um, because let's be honest, we know damn well that the nine eleven was there was something else going on. Anyways, I'm I'm so lost on nine eleven because I'm 25, so I remember uh, it happening. I do not. I was not. Uh, like conscious enough yeah at the time i you're, was like uh, you're, you're younger than i am. yeah you're even younger than our resident young guy here who's 27 i was born in 97 so, so i i remember 9 11 oh i remember the feeling yeah. um it just i don't remember what life was like before it and i don't know what the political conditions like i didn't live through i i have the hindsight to look back and be like all right i can kind of see what was going on here but i don't know it seems like the th- there's a weird little uh thing where people who are around my age and a, a few years older like maybe 93 um are are pretty traumatized about 911 right. and then people who were a little bit older seem to have their 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 theories about like was this a false flag was the stage and then people younger than me think it's a joke yeah <laughs> yeah it's a meme it's all a meme to them which like it just, you know it, it, false flag or not 3000 people died right <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, and it's and not, that's not funny. Well, and three thousand people died in nine eleven, but the result of nine eleven was millions of deaths. Oh yeah, and that's the other thing that a lot of people don't talk about because I, you know, well, I do all the time because I'm obviously I'm an anti war activist. Okay, that was what I was first. Uh, now everybody knows there's some there's a little drama going on out there in Twitter land right now because of me. Okay, because I'm uh, I'm so hardcore anti communist, <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. to the point of where I I refuse to work with communists. It, Right. Let me let me explain. I've met some really cool anarcho communists, dude, right? Like mm-hmm. anarcho communists who are like legit, like came up through Proudhon, read uh uh the bread book, and were like, Yeah, mm-hmm. I just think the state's a bad idea. Okay. I've worked with some of those people. I have. Okay. Uh most anarcho communists that I meet are really just fucking Marxists in disguise. Oh yeah. And I will not work with Marxists. I fucking hate Marxists. Okay. And there so, is a, yeah, okay, go on. Oh, so, and so this shit's going on today in Twitter, the, the last couple of days in Twitter, because I said we shouldn't ally with Marxists. That's essentially what my argument boiled down with. Down so, so for the anti war thing? Yeah, for the anti war rally. War rally. Now, let me tell you, I had a, a one hour and 17 minute phone conversation today with Scott Horton. Mm-hmm. And he changed my perspective a little bit on some things. Okay. Like I get it. Like, okay. Yeah. We do need to get in front of people that don't agree with us on all kinds of shit and, and, and try to pass this anti-war message. Me- war is very detrimental to our society. And, uh, but the, my still, my hang up is, and we're going to talk about this on Thursday cause Scott will be by on the show on Thursday and I'm sure it's going to go two and a half, three hours. So you guys better let your wives know you're going to be right. gone for a while. <laughs> Scott likes to fucking talk dude, more than anybody I know. Um, and uh, <clears throat> my gripe is still the People's Party, which was one of the co-sponsors with the Libertarian Party. The mm-hmm. uh, the head of that organization has credi- credible rape allegations right now. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Yikes. Uh, yeah, they're 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 chocked full. Uh, they're chocked full, dude. The whole organization is chocked full of Marxists, like legit Marxists. I don't like Jackson Hinkle. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a Marxist in disguise as well. And in fact, I like to call him the left uh, version of Milo Yiannopoulos. Only, right. <laughs> only he's half as smart and twice as gay. Okay. And uh, and I'm not a fan. Well, Milo's not gay at all anymore. I know. He's he's a straight <laughs> man He's now. not practicing gay. I'm a gay. big he's not straight a pra- man He's now. not a practicing gay. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. I worked for Libertarian Republic, I was on the Milo beat. Yeah, he's a, he's, he's <laughs> a, big, he's a big, strong, manly man now. 
yeah uh i i I don't mind milo i've actually i've actually enjoyed some of milo's talks i think but he's a shock jock for the right who's gay right and so it's like he's one of those guys that's like yes i'm on the right you know but i can bring other people over because i'm gay that's how jackson hinkle is for the communist dude okay he's like i can speak to these right wingers and stuff but i'm uh he's a communist um, and yep. in fact, I'm going to post a picture of him on Thursday when Scott comes on so people can see how much of a fucking dork that guy really is. Uh, but oh we'll gosh. save that for. But so there was like problem. I had problems. I had some problems with the event, but I understand and I, I shouldn't I shouldn't trash the people that put the event together on, on my side of things because there's some really good people there. I'm not going to trash Ron Paul. I don't give a fuck. Ron Paul's. I love Ron Paul. Yeah. Ron Paul is is basically baby jesus to me okay <laughs> um and and i'm very religious so saying that's mm-hmm. heresy uh yeah. and and ron and and scott horton's on my libertarian mount rushmore dude i mean he's one of my top gotcha. if not my top two definitely my top five okay uh, libertarians of all time i'm an mm-hmm. anti-war guy i can't not my friend will hobson who helped kind of organize this thing from the libertarian party standpoint the mises caucus standpoint who put together peace hot coffee okay. great guy wonderful guy he actually came over from the left Mm-hmm. he was a convert <clears throat> and now he's pretty he's a mississian uh mm-hmm. libertarian hardcore gotcha. so i understand getting yeah, in front of those people there's a super interesting and i do a lot of getting in front of those people um there's of course for completely different reasons right. but my it's wild if you look at my followers on tiktok like i'll get notifications and it's like you know i uh, dixie rising 1861 <laughs> followed you with I get a, a lot of those confederate things. flag yeah. in their in their uh profile picture and then right under right underneath them in the follower list is like uh followed by you know uh blm now with the rainbow fist and everything i'm like i i have somehow mastered <laughs> apolitical content because i don't agree with either of those people and yet they're watching my shit right uh so but what I found super interesting is uh, the, the people who are seem to be the most quick to uh, go authoritarian, whether they're on the anarcho-communist or anarcho-capitalist side, where, whichever of those two like extremes you're on, the people who are the like the most anti-authoritarian, like the the, the farthest right, uh, you know, burn it all down libertarians and the you know collectivize everything i you know anarcho-communist people are really quick to go full fascist on both sides yes like it's and whereas the people who are a little bit more like establishment and normal like you know obviously they're kind of boring but like they they don't typically go go hardcore uh you know authoritarian and i don't know what it is about that maybe it's like the hopelessness of of the cause being, oh, being libertarian black, black or pilled, yeah yeah like maybe they're like all right and and this is exactly how the neo-nazis at penn state uh tried to convert me um there was there was a neo-nazi organization called they fronted this bull moose party which had originally just been a pro-trump club and they took it over and turned it into total white nationalism and i'm not using these terms lightly i do not use these terms lightly ever because they're actually serious accusations um these guys were actually white supremacists um they tried to convert me their path towards that was oh well i i'm totally with you on all of the freedom and liberty stuff but the the left will never let it happen we need to unite behind a strong central power drive them out and then make everything libertarian and i knew guys who actually fell for it i i almost fell for it and then i was like hang on a second i don't hate black people um (laughs) and that kind of pulled that kind of pulled me out of it um 
and and now I'm like known for being one of the most uh, staunchly anti anti Semitic people, and you know anti not anti racist, but like I have I've started doing a thing where I just kind of like debunk people's racist points from a historical perspective because they're simply wrong, and uh, that's that's been going well for me. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's almost like you know a little something about history, dude. I'm not gonna. People lie. just need to have a voice of reason who is within the you know extremist side of things, so that the the jackasses on the authoritarian side of things don't get to them. And I think that that's kind of one of the really cool things about YouTube right now is uh, I I don't know like you know I, I won't out anybody, but there's a lot of creators, a lot of YouTubers, especially in. Um, you know, the kind of like unsolved mystery, true crime, conspiracy theory space who are based as all hell. Right. Like, oh, yeah. totally, totally, you know, they would much prefer to go live off in the woods, totally off grid with a commune of libertarians and just not bother. But they kind of enjoy having money in the society we live in. So, <laughs> of course, I can't blame them. Yeah. I'm having say, a good time. Did you say Penn State? Yeah, it was uh, Penn State class 2020. Oh, okay. Oh, dude, okay. you went to school. You went to school with Micah Parsons. Yeah, I did. He's like one of my. Fa- I'm a Cowboys fan, and I'm fucking I, obsessed. I'm. I'm so. I'm. I struggle with Micah because on the one hand, he's from he Philly was, too. He, he was. He's from Philly. Yeah. He was a classmate, but he's on the Cowboys, the best team in the football. In football, was, yeah, and yeah. I'm not. I can't. I for the Eagles in the playoffs. I know. I'm sitting out. here. I'm sitting here. I'm like, oh, that's not going to settle well with the Cowboys fans. Yeah, we don't Micah, like come on, come on, come on. Your rookie contract's up in two years. He's come not, on over he, to Philly. He, come he's, home. He's always been a Dallas Cowboys fan his whole life. He's, that's a lot of people don't he, understand. He'll that. come home. He'll come he's home. All, he literally said he's going to retire with a star on his helmet. He's already oh. said that. The, the we, Cowboys are going to pay have him $800 million. Uh, yeah, we're going to pay him big, dude. We have a Fletcher Cox opening coming soon. Yeah. That's uh, uh, I could see that. You think Micah Parsons doesn't want to be on the same D line as Brandon Graham and Hassan Reddick? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he's not going pretty to pretty good Eagles for thing. his career. I love it's you pretty guys. Good for his career. I, I love you. I I hate <laughs> the Eagles, but I love you. And uh, I'm, I got to tell you that he's not going. He's not. Oh, I, that's, that's what I, I follow him Jerry on Twitter. Jones will not let uh-huh. him know he's too popular. I follow he's him on Twitter, good. and uh, and he has said repeatedly that he will retire with the star on his helmet. He's going to be there, and, and he wants. And he's not giving his girlfriend uh, a ring until he gets a, a Super Bowl ring. He said that too. <laughs> oh, he said She's going to be waiting a long time. I didn't see that. Yeah, that's the Cowboys. What, that's what you. The say. Cowboys have not won a Super Bowl in my lifetime. Oof. Oof. I think they that's won true. the year I was born. The, yeah, nineteen ninety six. No, okay, I was ninety five. You were born in ninety five. Yeah. I was so, born so in they, so, so, listen, they won the two years before you were born and the one year after you were born, and that's the last time they won. They won ninety two, ninety three, and the, oh, so, the, so two, the Vikings yeah. say 92, you're welcome. Ninety two, ninety three, and and <laughs> and then again in ninety six, and we have not won a super. We have not been back to a Super Bowl since nineteen ninety six. There's uh there was a really funny meme that uh, Jalen Hurts was born, grew up. Played in high school, went to college, played in college, won the Heisman, um, and <laughs> got drafted as Carson Wentz's backup. Right. Became the Eagles starter and got to the Super Bowl before the Dallas Cowboys yes. got back. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he's he's young. I mean, all these guys are all these guys playing right now that are our rookies for the last five years mm-hmm. were not alive the last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl, yeah. But it's hey, starting to but get you know, weird though. How many football players are younger than me? I don't like it at all. I saw, it makes yeah. me deeply uncomfortable. Wait till you're 40, it's dude. Weird. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Wait till you're Tom Brady's age, because, bro. Like, <laughs> good God. <laughs> like, I'm at the point in my life where it's like the running back fall off happens, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, 
I'm I'm the size of a smaller player. I was I and was in high school. That's weird to me. Like, oh, this is when you're falling off. Jesus Christ. Yep. I'm 40 now, and I was in high school when Tom Brady was a rookie in football. <laughs> yeah, and he just retired this year. Yeah. Think about how fucking crazy that is. I oh. listen. I played football into my 30s, dude. I, I played my last season of semi-pro football at 30. I, th- I was either 33 or 34 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just, you know, six years ago, seven years ago. And it was so brutal on my body at 33 years old, dude. I could not imagine doing it right now at 40. And there's times, there oh, are God, times, no. there are times where I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, I feel good today. You know what? Maybe there's a semi-pro team here I can go try out for. It make me it get me back in shape pretty quick. Yeah. You know what I mean? In the USFL. Yeah, no shit, no shit. I, yeah, yeah. I could be like a defensive coordinator or something. Uh, there's Blaze too, Des Moines Blaze. Yeah, they, you guys have a you. They have a yeah. semi pro team here. There, there's, there's a couple because I met, I met a girl at a bar that. Uh, Don't you guys have? You guys have arena football here too. Yeah, we yeah. have the Barnstormers. Yeah, we have that. That's that, what the yeah, Barnstormers. Yeah, 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 Kurt Warner played for the Barnstormers. Yeah, see, I could do. I would. I, if I had a chance to try out for for that, I would actually get in shape and go try out for that. Just because for one, they get paid. I never, I never got paid for football ever. Not in my entire life. I played all that time for free. Okay, uh, and it was just so much fun to me. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, Mika, M- Micah. I always say Mika. Micah will retire at Cowboy. I'm sorry for your luck, buddy. Hey, so uh, we'll see. We'll see. What's uh, what's some of your very favorite uh, uh, lore out there? What's what's some that we haven't talked about tonight? I mean, we've already touched on probably two of my favorites with the the Wendigo and the uh, and the and the Nephilim thing. Um, right now, I've been digging deeper into the Irish folklore with yeah, their uh, their pantheon things. of like gods and goddesses, which is is a struggle. It's one of those things. It's fun because it's a mystery. We don't really know. Um, we have a better handle on continental Celtic mythology, some on British Celtic mythology. Irish is almost a complete mystery. Um, basically everything we have from it comes to us through Christian writers and really no earlier than the eighth century. So the, the thing about the Irish is they did not have a writing system. They had a language, but they did not have a writing system. They did have something called Ohm, which uh, we believe may have come from a system of hand symbols, because the way it works is that you have a, a straight, a vertical line, and then up to five horizontal or diagonal lines that go with it. And those each form the different, uh, I think it's they form words, not cons- not, not uh, phonemes. So we don't really know anything about Irish mythology from the Irish themselves. We know it through Christian writers in the 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th centuries who wrote down all of that mythology, but then they had to Christianize it. So, for example, the Levergeval and the Erin, which is the Book of the Takings of Ireland, discusses six invasions into Ireland. It's the people of Cassare, the people of Partholon, Nemed, uh, the Fearbolg, the Tua de Danan, and the Milesians. The Milesians being the actual Gaels themselves. And they come in from Spain, because uh, Milesia probably comes from Mil Hispania, uh, Milites Hispania, which is the, the Roman soldiers in Spain. We don't know particularly when they came over. Uh, at all there's kind of a a gap it's probably around 500 bc um but all we know about these two adenon is that they are referred to by the christian writers as fallen angels but they are also cognate some of them are cognate with inside continental celtic gods and goddesses the cool part is where they live because the story goes that the Gales, when they got there, encountered these these beings who were more than human, 
and they fought them and it came to a, a bit of a stalemate and they agreed the the gales would take the overworld ireland and the two a day would take the other world now the other world can be accessed two ways one of those ways is through these things called seed which are fairy mounds is what the word means and you can find them scattered throughout the irish hillsides they're basically they're like little rock formations that you can go inside of and the idea was that you could go inside and get to the other world where the two a day lived you could also sail across the Western Sea to get to the other world, which I find interesting considering what is west of Ireland. Uh, you know, and, and the fact that there were other people who lived to the west of Ireland right. um, than being Native Americans. We don't know when these stories would have occurred. That's part of the problem is uh, they're first written down at all, I think, in the ninth century by Nennius, who is a Brythonic monk. So he's from Britain. Uh and he writes about only three of those invasions, which are Partholon, Nemed, and the Milesians. Um, and the Fear Bolg story involves them going to Greece. Basically, what seems to have happened is that when the Leva Gvalna Adam was written in the 12th century, might have been earlier than that, but I think the earliest extant one we have is the 12th century. Um, when that was written, they were kind of trying to compare the, they were still trying to convert the Irish. So they gave them their own mythical origin story where it kind of mirrors the Jews, the Israelites. Um, in that they have to go all over the place, they get exiled to one place and then another, and they return to Greece, and then they go back to Ireland and all that. Um, it matches the six ages of the world in Christianity. So we have the Christianized version. We're trying to understand the pre-Christian version. Right. And one of the ways that the early Christian writers did it was that they got their versions of the Irish stories through the Scots. Uh... So just the... It's it's really cool mythology on its own, but the mystery of it and feeling like every time you dig through a text and come up with something new that you didn't really connect before is so exciting. And I know I sound like such a huge nerd, but like I love this stuff. And then when you look at all of the similarities, the the comparative cultural anthropology that could be done here, um, it really all comes down to like it feels like we're missing a chapter. You know, it feels like something happened and we don't know about it. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you, like, you don't sound like a nerd to me. You sound. This is awesome. It's great. We fucking love it. And it's funny because I, I, uh, I buy and sell antiques and mm -hmm. football cards and all kinds of weird shit and comics. And, uh, I recently had a Protestant, uh, book from the mid 1400s written in France, uh, during the time when they were oppressing the Protestants. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was like, oh, dude. Like I'm Mr. History now, dude. Right? Like I have these books. I did, I did end up selling them um, online, Aww. and and I made it was pretty good money. Uh, I I I hit up like the Church of England and stuff about them. I'm like, do you guys want these? Like these are these belong in a fucking uh, somewhere in a, a library. You know what I mean? You come uh, across that stuff and you can't get a museum to take it. Freemasons will take it. Oh yeah, the Freemasons will take it for sure. Yeah, yeah. We we love that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I, I was just like, I was just like, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I, I was like, really, these, <laughs> these should be in a church somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm this, the, just the, just the little tiny library at my like suburban Philadelphia lodge is chock full of all sorts of really cool old medieval texts. And most of them are copies from right. like the 17, 18, 1900s, but you get, there's some really cool stuff in there. Some of these antique books, um, you know, on the, the Templars and on early American exploration and the theology of the Anglican church and things like that, that you're like, why is this sitting in just a, 
a dusty library in a, a, a Masonic lodge with 25 members in Paoli, Pennsylvania. <laughs> like, oh, it's so cool. Uh, JC, thanks for the $10 super chat, man. He said, I've never heard of Aiden before loving the episode so far. Thanks, oh, man. Well, thank I am you. too. This is a good episode. This is, it's, it's, it's almost like what I've envisioned for this show for quite some time where uh, we don't just sit around and talk about the fucking libertarian party <laughs> over and over and over and over That's again. Awesome. Or, or, you know, now that we're uh, no longer in a state of emergency, I don't have to, I don't have to come on here two to five times a night and tell everybody they're stupid for going along with the COVID regime, <laughs> which is nice too. You know what I mean? Uh, so now we can start breaking away from that and doing all kinds of other shows. And this is a great show. So uh, having fun. You, you talked a little bit about the uh, Irish folklore, but uh, what, what's the, what's the leprechaun about, dude? Dude, leprechauns are one that I don't actually have a ton of like just at hand knowledge about because they're so widely recognized. Yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> like I'll sit here and like, I, you know, leprechauns are, I, I wrote a poem about one when I was 17 for a class. Uh, There's a, a leprechaun who um tricks a man into slavery. Uh, the man doesn't have any potatoes, so he gets tricked into slavery by a leprechaun. Um, It's the only <laughs> oh assignment God. in that entire year long course that I got a 100% on. Nice. Nice. Was my leprechaun oh my poem. You you want to know what I asked my teacher when I turned another assignment in and I got a 24 out of 25? Hey uh Mr. Smith, um what uh what could I have done to get a perfect score? What could I have done to got to get that extra point? What was I missing? R- rational question for a senior in high school to ask, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Well, would you say it was perfect? <laughs> and I went, I I mean probably not i'm 17 yeah no shit like uh i think i was 18 at the time but um and he was like that's where the missing point is and i'm like you understand this affects whether or not i get into college (laughs) what a complete Um, dick and then uh and so here's the problem a few months later i hand in that poem for our poetry unit it was a creative writing course got a 25 out of 25 on my fucking leprechaun poem that was perfect (laughs) mr smith that was. was perfect to you, bro. He got stoned. The Irishman he had stoned. not but one potato. Yeah. He got stoned while was he was lying in those. that. And you're telling me that that's that's the 25 out of 25 you were looking for. Uh, <laughs> he was he was stoned when he was grading those papers. Yep. I would not be surprised he, based on like the fact that I'm friends with him on Facebook now that I graduated and all that. <laughs> he was reading he was reading this leprechaun story about potatoes and slavery, and he was like, "This shit is fire." Leprechaun oh, yeah. shit's fire. <laughs> I've, I've read it i've read it on my twitch streams a few times and people are always like what dude that's great i love that shit. it was yeah um no leprechauns i don't know a ton about um but that's that's where you get into some of the like there's there's the the fae the fairies all of that in uh european mythology in general the term fairy and fae i believe does come from the irish one actually sure. uh the the fair folk um and the welsh actually have a very similar um the house of chris i think it is uh their own version of the two a day but when you get into kind of the the broader term fairy it can apply to leprechauns uh boggarts hobgoblins um tommy knockers ogres trolls all these different things that are counted as fae uh i actually didn't know about that until i had a, a girl named piper on my podcast she's a, a folklorist and an author um but yeah, so she kind of went in depth on that stuff. But the the interesting thing is a lot of these like more diminutive diminutive figures um, are typically associated with being like beginning as helpful spirits, and then if you disrespect them or you lie to them, that's when they start to do bad things to you. Um, and leprechauns seem to be in kind of the same vein where they're a little mischievous. Like 
you know, I, I think if you're the idea is kind of like if you're kind to one, it'll toss you a few coins. But if you like, you know, interrogate it, you might find it's it's stash and then it's going to do bad magical things to you. Yeah. Um, I've I typically yeah. yeah, leprechauns typically in my experience <laughs> in, in research have been kind of morally neutral. Sure. Yes, they're definitely they're they're So I, I say the movies in jest because the movies with work yeah. work done are fucking comedies really uh, truly uh but there is some there is some uh truth to from what i understand the tales of leprechauns in that movie like they are kind mm-hmm. of evil and yeah. sometimes good and sometimes evil and they are tricksters and sly and so it is uh it's kind of a cool it's kind of a cool thing to think about i don't know man um what what's some of your favorite medieval uh personalities dude like some of your some of your favorite uh people of medieval times my go-to is Owen Glendur. uh he's the uh he, he led a rebellion against the kingdom of england in the year 1400 from about 1400 to 1415 um and he was a a welsh lord who had fought for the english he was a squire to both richard ii and henry the fourth uh in ireland and wales he fought in those wars he was born around around 1360. Uh, very, very like totally, you know, like low key guy. Not didn't make any waves. Didn't do anything important. Just fought his wars, managed his lands. Everybody loved him. All of the poetry about him from the time is that this guy was so noble. There wasn't even a there wasn't even a lock on his door. You could just come in and have a meal. Uh, his hall was always filled with song. He's written about as this, you know, just ideal nobleman before this rebellion even happens. And then in the year 1400, a lord of a property next to his, a guy named Reginald de Grey, who was a lord over much of Eastern England, East Anglia. Uh, that guy, there, there's two stories. One is that there was a summons for a war in Scotland that was sent to de Grey to disperse to his Welsh noble neighbors. Um, keep in mind at this time in history, Wales is not part of the kingdom of England It is ruled by the kingdom of England, but it is not integrated with it yet. Um, that would be 1542. Uh, so the, the, basically the summons is sent and de Grey wants Owen's lands. So he doesn't give him the summons, which makes Owen an outlaw because Owen didn't show up. The other story is that de Grey started levying taxes on Owen's lands. Owen went to the courts and said, Hey, uh, can you fix this? And the courts basically told him to shove it. So what he does is he meets with some of his cousins, uh, his siblings, some other Welsh nobles who he trusts. They're like, what should we do about this? And they decide, you know what? We're not getting any justice from the crown. Um, Wales as a kingdom, as a nation is faltering and going to disappear. It's going to be subsumed by England. Let's go. Let's go fuck shit up. Uh, So they go over to on uh, September 18th, I want to say 1400. They go to Ruthen, which is de Grey's territory and they just burn all of his farms all the the homes everything uh and keep in mind on the english lands it was typically english transplants right. who lived there uh within wales so they do that and then they proceed to go and do the same thing to another five towns in wales over the course of the next six days wow they burned five, six towns in six days i yeah. They then proceed to lose a major battle to the English at Shrewsbury. Uh, sorry, Shropshire. Um, and then they retreat into the mountains. This Welsh 
historian of the time, Adam of Usk, says, and Owen retreated into the mountains, defeated with no more than seven men. And then the very next year, he has to write in his annals, uh, and the rebel Owen Glendower came out of the mountains with 30,000 men at his back. And you're like, okay, where'd they come from? Oh, shit. Um, and they proceed to fight the English for 15 years. <laughs> they have a, a fraction of the population. Even today, I think Wales has a population of like 9 million, and yeah. England is 60-some. Yeah, it's small. Um, yeah, it's it's wild. So this guy, basically for no reason other than fuck you, uh, just led, led a rebellion. He didn't want to be king at any point. That was never the plan. But he did form something called the Tripartite Indenture. And what that was was an alliance between the Earl of Northumbria, uh, Northumberland, sorry, um, the Earl of Hereford, and himself, Prince of Wales. And the deal was that if they won, if they defeated Henry IV, and if Richard II was actually not still alive and was in fact dead, then what would happen was Owen would take all of Wales as well as a strip of central England. Uh, Edmund Mortimer, Earl of Hereford, would get southern England, and the Earl of Northumberland, uh, Henry Percy, would get all of northern England. What that means is had this rebellion succeeded, the kingdom of England as we know it from 1400 on would not have existed. It would have completely changed the course of history. Too bad. I, either it would have set the English Empire back by hundreds of years, or that that English Empire never would have existed. Um, probably well, would have had would significant we. effects. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or we'd be speaking we. French. Um, so honestly, thank God that they failed, because if I had to speak French, I'd kill myself. Um, but... So I love him. He is one of my all-time favorite characters. He's even in Wales. Most people don't know that much about him, but he's like their George Washington. Uh, that's crazy. I, I, that I didn't character. know anything about that story at all. And that's such a fucking, it, he essentially was like, Oh, taxes. Huh? Yeah. Nah, I don't think so. It wasn't even that it was, it was, he was totally fine to take his own tax money. Yeah. Sure. It was that somebody else started taking his tax money. Right. Uh, right. So I don't want to call him the first libertarian in history, just to be clear, but uh, it, it was kind of one of those things where you're like, you know what? That's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool thing you just did. That's savage. You tried to you tried to tax my land, so I burned your city to the ground. Uh, just just so everybody knows, there's not a single French uh, DNA point in my entire family history. <laughs> there's zero French in whatsoever. We are uh, they're Scottish, so that's probably what I would be. I would probably have a Scottish accent yeah. at this point. So. Somebody in the uh, in the chat also just said uh, it would have changed history had Hadrada not been caught off guard too. Harold Hadrada is my other favorite historical figure. Sick. Let's talk about it. <laughs> um, this guy at the age of 15 uh, is wounded in a battle. I think it was, I believe his older brother was St. Olaf. Um, he's wounded in battle with fighting for his brother who's king of Norway. His brother dies. He's spirited away to some farm, gets well enough to travel, and some of his brothers, uh, you know, loyal men some of the household guard end up getting him to kiev where he is raised for the rest of his young adult life at the court of yaroslav prince yaroslav of kiev and rus then he falls in love with yaroslav's daughter elizabeth uh yaroslav says you can't marry elizabeth you have no holdings you have no money you have nothing at all you're i'm sorry i like you but like you don't you don't offer my house anything so he's like okay i'm gonna go get rich based uh, early 20s, Harold heads down to Constantinople and joins up with the Varangian Guard, which is the personal guard of the emperor of Rome, of the Eastern Roman Empire, Byzantine Empire. It's around uh, the, the mid-11th uh, century at this point. 
um, the early mid 11th century. So he goes there and very quickly because the entire Varangian guard is made up of Norse and uh, Rus people with a few Anglo-Saxons sprinkled in there. He very quickly becomes captain of the Varangian guard, uh, replacing a guy named George. George did not like this. Uh, he gets sent all over the place. He's sent into the Levant. He fights against the Turks. He goes to uh, Cyprus and he con- he reconquers Sicily for the Roman Empire. Um, hunts pirates all over the Eastern Mediterranean, accumulates a massive amount of wealth, a massive amount of support within the Varangian Guard. And then at, eventually he gets a, a message. He's been elected king of Norway. And so he goes, because he has a claim, he's royal blood. He goes to Emperor, uh, I think it was Emperor Michael V. Um, I might have that wrong, but I think it was Michael V. Uh, and says, hey, buddy, um, I've been elected king of Norway. Can I go home? And the emperor says, no, I need you. You're, you're my most famous captain. You've won all of my battles. You have to stay here. And Harold's like, okay, but like, I need to go be king. Um, and so the emperor puts him in jail. His men break him out of jail. They steal two galleys, the, the ships, and sail towards the edge of the harbor. Now, here's the thing about the harbor of Constantinople in the medieval, medieval period. It had a giant chain across it. If you've watched Game of Thrones, that is where it came from. Um, there is a giant chain across the harbor. The idea is that you can't sail into the harbor because the chain will rip open your ship. That's obviously a problem. So what do they do? They all crowd to the back of their ships and tilt the front of the galley over the chain. Then they run to the front of the ship and tilt the rest of the galley over the chain. One of the ships capsizes. Harold's doesn't. He gets back to uh, Kiv where he's been sending all of his money this entire time. All his money is there. He goes to Yaroslav. He goes, hey, uh stepfather you know adoptive father man um i'm rich i am a famous war captain and i'm king of norway can i marry your daughter now yaroslav says yes harold goes back to norway spends the rest uh sorry wins the fight for norway with the help of the swedes spends the rest of his life fighting to unite denmark and sweden uh denmark and norway and then in 1066 when uh when the king of england dies and harold godwinson assumes the throne harold hardrada who also has a claim to that throne invades England um, and is unfortunately caught off guard by Harold Godwinson uh, at the battle of Stamford bridge. He didn't have time to put his armor on. He was already into his like sixties. So he died in that battle thing was, had he won, there's a good chance that William the conqueror would have had a much more difficult time conquering England because uh, he would have had to fight Harold Godwinson's remnant forces. And then he would have had to go fight Harold Hardrada. Also, had Harold Hardrada not invaded England, Harold Godwinson would never have needed to leave the south of England to go fight in the north of England, and William would have met a much more prepared English force and probably not conquered England. So if either of those heralds wins their battle that they lost, um, England wouldn't France never out. takes England. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. Crazy, Shit. That's crazy. There's all these little moments in history where things could have been insanely different if one guy hadn't died. No shit. Yeah. No shit. I uh, he was. I, he started talking about pirates, and that's mm-hmm. that's like one of my favorite things. So I I say that I, we would speak. I would have a Scottish accent, but that's not necessarily mm-hmm. true either. In fact, I have a ton of Spanish blood, like real gotcha. cost, like Castellano, like the blonde hair, blue eyes. Castilian. There's Castellano. Is what Castellano? Yeah, Castellano. Castellano. But they're, yeah, they're the blonde hair, blue eyed Spaniards, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my fifth or sixth or seventh great grandfather was a a famous pirate. Or sailed oh. sailed with the famous pirate, yeah. the mm-hmm. the pirate Lafitte. 
Um, okay. and, and I don't know much about that. My, my, uh, my cousin Cindy did a, a family tree and found this were descended of pirates, also descendants of Scottish royalty of some sort That's as cool. well. So, um, it's weird. It's a weird cool. mix on my mom's side. And then my dad's side is I, I could have been speaking Hebrew cause my dad's side, right. Cause they're, they're Israeli. So, um, yeah. who knows, who knows what their language, what language I'd be speaking, but, uh, definitely not French. I know that much for sure. It's, it's funny. You mentioned the, the blonde haired, blue eyed Spaniards. Cause that's all the migration period. That's, uh, the, uh, the Visigoths. You right. got, you got Visigoth in you. Yes. That's, that was the word I was like. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, I tell people, you know, I'm part Creek Indian on my mom's side too. And so, mm-hmm. um, we are the rapists and the rapey, unfortunately <laughs> we were both. <laughs> uh yeah unfortunately um and i like to tell people that spaniards and and uh you know basically mexican right spanish and Mm -hmm. american basically i'm a mexican yeah do do mexican (laughs) people know that they're mostly spanish i don't i don't know if they are they even mostly spanish that was a pretty solid mix at this point they're more they're more native well they're people of color we call them they're they're lumped in with people of not color, to the, not to the American pure, people of that's, color. That's because that's because they're mixed race. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the people the, the the people listen all the all the middle class uh, to upper to lower middle uh, upper class uh, white Karen wine drinkers that are the one hundred percent arbiter of all things people of color. Yeah. Um, mm. They have stated uh, several times that Mexicans aren't considered people of color. If you're really? white, if you're white passing, you're not a people of color. Um, there's a lot so, of things that the, the, wow. these wonderful white women uh, have bestowed upon us when it comes to uh, racism and people of color. And that's that's yeah, that because I because I was I always heard that uh, yeah, Mexican people would be considered people of color. And then when mm-hmm. you go, okay, but you guys are mostly Spanish. You know, those are Europeans. You know, you're mostly European. Yeah, I don't like, think, I think wait, they what? have less, much yeah. less European than I do. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and and- I'm, I'm sitting here as a, you know, Italian, German, Irish, and Welsh guy uh, with zero, zero color in me, as you can see on my face. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I wish I had the tan that my cousins get, but I don't know where it went. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting how the people who seem the most concerned with race are the anti-racist, like white wine mom class. It's the, it's the same lady. It's listen, the, the people most affected by racism in America, the most offended about race, racial issues yeah. are the same women that grab their purse a little tighter when they see a black guy. Oh, hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Meanwhile, I grew up in Oakland watching all my friends yep. tell racist jokes to each <laughs> yeah. other and they all have the most diverse friend groups i've ever seen and no one's scared when they see a black guy no black guy's scared when they see a white guy they're like mm-hmm. oh what up homie you know what i mean and so like oh it's God. always the racism thing's always just been funny to me well I, i'm know. half dane so whenever somebody's you know whenever the uh conversation comes up i just go we just got here <laughs> we have nothing to do with any of this that's that's how the italian irish thing just, goes yeah. it's like hey <laughs> hey listen yeah. we were not involved the, the irish were like hey you know us too dude uh, if it happened before like 1910 i have nothing to do with any of it yeah uh, oh and i don't know why you're wrapping all of us up in this here now yeah. nonsense <laughs> you're like you're like us too man they, they were making yeah. us do that shit too dude i swear you know I, I do like i do like that mexicans aren't people of color but luke rakowski is yeah. as a white like blonde hair blue-eyed slavic guy <laughs> Which um, like I I I wish he was on Timcast again. I I miss Luke. Did he leave? 
He went back to Florida for for a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that must have oh, just been recent. Dude, I I miss I miss Luke and Seamus so much. <laughs> yeah, Luke Luke was uh, in my opinion definitely one of the best parts about Timcast. I I yeah. uh, routinely dump uh, shit on Timcast on the show. By the way, just so you're aware. Uh, but, <laughs> I know. I but only because we like have a it. better format. Yeah, I I I like I like the the guests and the diversity of opinion that gets brought on. I I do occasionally get tired of some of the aspects and it seems like most of the time it's just tim and the guest it seems like 95 uh, percent of the time graphing 95 yeah. i love of the... ian i used to hate ian i love ian now ian, awesome. ian gives me so Brian, i will Brian say every time ian. he talks about history or religion it makes me cringe but like <laughs> yeah. dude the other day I've been, in, I've been in their chat like begging i'm like please for the love of god let me come on and just sit next to ian and just whenever he says something history related just tap him on the shoulder and fix it the, he, like, the other day, did you see the other day him talking about meditating and all that shit? Yes, that's bro. Uh, no, with, I haven't with, like listened to the show all week. Oh, no, with Jimmy Dore, right? Yeah, with Jimmy Dore. The Jimmy dude. Dore show. He went off the rails for a second, and I yeah, I looked it. around. And I was alone in a room watching it, and I looked. I was like, "Holy shit, what's going yeah, on?" Yeah, he like here? he like Jimmy Dore's like so so. Yeah, what's your what's your opinion on this thing going on in Ukraine? He's like, well, you know what I think about. What I do is I think about that great leader, uh, Zelensky, you know, and I I meditate on it and I meditate oh on the destruction and all the dude. He just no, went off. he said he meditated into his physical body, right? And yeah. pray, and 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 tried to make him feel peace, right? Yeah, I think like, Ian's done a little what? bit too much graphene, too much psychedelics, too much graphene for Ian. But he's on something with the graphene. I the d full disclosure i have invested in graphene <laughs> it's uh it's uh, not a ton of money i don't have a lot of money but i have invested a couple hundred bucks ryan ryan kurt is our ian on the yeah, show that's it that's how i was introduced and the audience still call calls me ian there's or a lot they of call them. they spell his name ryan but with an i r-i-a-n <laughs> which is how my name was originally going to be spelled but a friend of my mom's a couple weeks before I was born, had a baby and named it Ryan, spelled R-I-A-N. Yeah. And my think, mom didn't uh, want think, to seem like she was copying her friend. I think your mom thought you were going to be a girl, and that was actually spelled Ryan. I would have been, <laughs> I would have been named Elizabeth if I were a girl. That, I think I've met some girls named. All right, we're back. We're back. Sorry, part two. Uh, OBS froze up on us. We that usually happens when I start talking about Israel. Okay, so. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's what's going on. Let me make sure everybody can hear. Yeah. Okay. We got Mike. You guys are good. I got uh, Aiden back. You're there, Aiden. Yep. I'm here. Cool. Uh, and then we got the boys over there. Uh, and beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Well, sorry guys. I apologize. Um, I didn't. I didn't boomer that. That was OBS freezing on its own. Mm -hmm. it <laughs> this is uh, maybe the fourth or fifth time it's happened to me since we moved into the new house. Never happened to me at the old house. I'm I, sure that it's media. Com. I think that one was random because we got away media with com. Uh, Nephilims, yeah. uh, Wendigos. Yeah, we got. Through, we went, yeah, they if they didn't shut us down talking no. about Wendigos and <laughs> Nephilims. To to be fair, I talk about Nephilim and the Wendigo in front of like eight hundred people at a time every week, and it never shuts down. Sure, sure. Yeah, I don't think it's those ones. Well, there we're, we're. I'm sure this show is on a list already because probably because I spent <laughs> just I, one. Yeah, a couple. I don't know how we've flown under the radar this long without. <laughs> I think it's because we talk about everything in such wacky terms. That YouTube has not yet figured out that we hate the government. <laughs> every no, no, they know, they know for sure. And it's so funny because like all of my friends, like everybody else who has shows, like kind of like mine, like except for me and Dave Smith, have all gotten strikes. I've never gotten a strike. Mm -hmm. 
I think they shut Clint all the way down on YouTube. Yeah, already. they his damn really. Gone. Yeah, his it's gone. He's only on on Rumble and Odyssey now, I believe. And I think Bandot Video too, or something like that. His show got really big. Yeah, I mean, well, forcing political radicals to go underground rather than openly espousing their message always goes really well. Yeah, that's always yeah. worked really well. <laughs> yeah, and point. kicking Yee out of art school was a great idea, too. Oh, him. my Jeez. God. <laughs> you guys should definitely that, do that. That one caught me the hell off guard. I I was not. I, I knew he was a little bit like black Hebrew Israelite type. I did not realize it was to that extent. It was pretty wild, dude. Pretty wild. I laughed. I, I think his interview, dude, I'm going to tell you, his interview on Alex Jones was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life in the political sphere. I've never seen anything like that. When he brought out Alex that net. so lost. Oh, when, <laughs> hey, listen, Alex was the reasonable, like, moderate one on that show. setting Setting between Nick Fuentes and, and uh, Kanye, West. Kanye West. He was the moderate, like, reasonable dude, one. Did anybody mm-hmm. kind of feel time stop when he was like, I'm not down. I died, bro. I died, dude. When he busted out the fucking butterfly net and the bottle of Yahoo, dude, I lost it immediately. I could not hold it. I was at work just like falling out of my chair laughing, dude. I can't. I'm sorry. I listen. Listen, I'm not a big fan of net and Yahoo. Okay. I was not watching it live. I was just seeing the reactions on Twitter. It was great. Ooh. It was great. Uh there are there are times when reality surpasses south park yeah those that are was it. the best periods of the reality. best periods of history are when reality pa- like passes south park exactly I, I have yet to actually watch that stream outside of the clips that people posted uh did nick talk at all not much a little bit okay because no. I, no, no, I just, no, he didn't talk he didn't talk at all yeah no, nick has no idea who i am but i have been getting in trouble because of nick for years now yeah <laughs> He does elaborate, like, I joking, elaborate on that. I jokingly in God, probably 2019 at this point. Um, well, I wasn't going to CPAC that year. Uh, so it was probably 2020. Um, I wasn't going. No, what, when the hell was it? 2019, I guess. Um, somebody was going somewhere. One of my buddies and uh, Nick was going to be there. And um, I jokingly was like, oh, <laughs> you should punch Nick Fuentes in the face for me. Um, not even because of his views. I just think he's a sniveling little brat and deserves to be punched. I get the feeling he's never been beaten up. You know, he feels like a trust fund or kid laid. who never got beat that too. Um, <laughs> he, he openly admits that one, yeah, which does. listen, I, I do By not think that being a virgin into your twenties is in any way a shameful thing. But yeah. when you're like him, I'm, somehow I'm like the is. record holder. Ryan, for that. Ryan, Ryan was a virgin until he was past 25, dude. Yep, 27. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and there's listen. Some people are ready at different times than other people. Oh, I was ready um, well before. No, no, I think I, 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 I waited till marriage. Okay. Oh no, okay, Aiden. Yeah, no, no, that Aiden. Too. It takes a special kind of person. Yeah, it takes a special kind <laughs> of person. <laughs> kind of person. <laughs> dude, there's you got to be uh, but, seriously autistically. <laughs> like oh, dependent yeah. on your virginity to not to go to 27 years old dude okay I, listen i was 14 <laughs> i was a young kid all right but it's just yeah. uh I would have accidentally... <laughs> <laughs> oh no i just tripped and it fell in i don't know what happened um, <laughs> i just woke up that way dude <laughs> oh boy um yeah but no no so i i said i i make this joke keep in mind this is not like you know he posted publicly this is it. Oh, but uh, hang on. I have I have buddies who I was like, hey, come watch. 
uh, got to figure out how to steal some of your 153,000 people. Dude. <laughs> I'll I'll post I'll I'll post links to this okay. in definitely a couple of my libertarian discords. But nice, dude. Thank also, you. Cool. just make sure just make sure it's it's good it's decent for the the more politically neutral people. Yes. Um, yeah. It's just, this was a pretty good uh, show, actually. Yeah, for, I think we've yeah. we've we've done pretty good. Um, but yeah, I so so this was not a public page. This was not a you know Fox News posted it. This was literally my friend jj's post apparently he was also friends with that justin dude from liberty hangout who's married to shitter pants girl um oh what? caitlin bennett, caitlin bennett. Yeah. Uh, yeah um apparently he's he's married to her and now uh but anyway this was a few years back uh so this was on my friend's post i guess he's also he was mutuals with justin justin takes this and portrays it on twitter as if it was like a public post or a legitimate debate or something like that. No, it was just me at age like 20 being like, somebody should punch that guy. He looks punchable. Um, That was it. Drags me on Twitter in front of 55,000 people. Michelle Malkin yells at me. Uh, By the (laughs) way, I had just helped her with an event for young Americans for Liberty, like a month prior to that. So she yells at me. People are like bitching at me and the whole thing. You want to know what they pulled up to like go after me? They they pull up first of all my profile picture at the time uh, was uh, from CPAC with Dan Crenshaw. He had just been elected. Yeah, he had was, literally just before, gotten into office. That was before it must we realized he was a fucking dude. Yeah, at the yeah. time yeah. he was a Navy SEAL serving in Congress who had an eye patch. That was yeah. sick. Yeah. Yeah. I also stole a statue of Hillary, or not a statue, a, a cutout of Hillary Clinton from TPUSA that night. Um, <laughs> I was not there with TPUSA. I was there with college Republicans. Um, I was also there for Young Americans for Liberty, but like I, I was just kind of doing everything at the time. Um, I stole a Hillary Clinton cutout from Turning Point, ran into another bar with it, and then security from the bar that that cutout was at came looking for me, so I hid in the bathroom. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so they take that that picture of me with Dan, and a Facebook post, or it might have been a tweet, where I said, you know what? I feel like if you're forcing kids to be at school for eight hours a day, you should just give them lunch. They shouldn't have to pay for it. If they're forced to be there and the taxes are already paying for it, like assuming nothing else has changed, nothing else about society has changed. Yeah, that's our I feel property like taxes, you shouldn't dog. have to you pay for I mean? school lunches. Yeah, like they should just your like your first serving should just be free. It should be included with the school taxes. And they told they told they were like, this guy's a socialist. I'm like, that's that's social. First of all, the wealth of nations actually mentions this. It's capitalism. Like this is capitalism. Um, but also, all I said was, if you're going to force kids to be in a fascist institution like school, maybe you should feed them. Right. And that's I see that as a huge problem with the libertarian movement, honestly, as part of it, like the the level of like purism like that is. Know, that man, is not socialist like communist propaganda <laughs> to me. I'm, that I'm is not I'm that a, is not eat the rich. That is feed the kid. I'm a <laughs> I'm pretty purist in my own views. Um, yeah, but I but I have gotten I have come a lot harder right over the last three years than I used to be. And what I mean. Hard, I much, hope somebody clips that. Where you I've come a lot harder, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. 
Thanks, guys. I'm not doing myself any That's fucking favors clipped. here whatsoever. Da- David Brady, send me send me, send me a clip of that. God, one. somebody's gonna somebody's gonna somebody's gonna do it. That's okay. I have gone a lot further right there is what I meant to say. <laughs> there we go. Uh, over the last couple years, and and I've gotten to a point where I cannot stand leftward trajectories at all mm-hmm. because of because I, in the past I had been willing to work with them, like yeah. many other. Uh, organizations and and people throughout history that have always been burned or backstabbed or backfired yeah. in some way and and I've I've had the same thing happen to me. So I've gone a lot lot further right for sure. Yeah, I think I, I may I, I, have I, gone further right than the libertarians. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, possibly. In some ways. In some ways. Yeah. So, uh, I, I get mad when people say party free lunch. Is so weird about it. Yeah. I think the libertarians get mad when you say free lunch. Yeah, just yeah. anything about free lunch. Don't is say really... free lunch. But then, but, but then, but in but then this we have a case. With free I lunch. feel like free lunch kind of makes sense. State sponsored. Yeah. I State tax funded lunch. A yeah. lunch fee. A lunch fee that we voluntarily pay. Right. Totally cool with it. Free mm. lunch. We light shit on fire. Yeah. The, the, no. Somebody just said in the chat. Uh, those same people that would get mad about that will mm. say that we need to give more funds to the police. Yep. Exactly, and I get that. I understand. Yeah, literally, Liberty Hangout. By the way, yeah. Um, well, like... and it's funny. It's funny because uh, I know Justin, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I've talked to Justin outside of his internet shit posting. He's he's actually mm-hmm. a really cool guy most of the time, dude. But I fucking, it's like so. He's like made his internet presence so <laughs> shitty, dude, that it's like mm-hmm. it's hard to even admit that. And then Caitlin as well, yeah. who I've talked, me and her used to like message back and forth all the time we were like super mm-hmm. friendly she doesn't talk to me anymore she got too big for me i think um, oh yeah you know right but she like, was, uh, I caitlin bennett yeah caitlin bennett yeah, i was always yeah. friendly with her there was a there was like a rumor that she pooped herself at a college party or something like that but there's there's no evidence is that, that. the shit pants thing is that the yeah shit that's why they thing? say that yeah I, I don't know if it actually happened i saw a picture that somebody claimed was that yeah, I don't claims know. it was her I, but i'm still her. a little bitter over being dragged yes. by I had like seven followers i get that dude and yeah. i would i would have <laughs> yeah. been too dude like, leave me the fuck alone man i'm nothing i was at war with liberty hangout for a while and in fact what uh, over their statism no well just because they were in, this was back when i was still kind of a lulbert in general mm-hmm, i was yeah. i was i i was a ron paul libertarian but i was also yeah. like we have to be actively anti-racist and we have to act yeah, you know yeah, i was yeah. like that guy right <laughs> yeah i did joe jorgensen yeah i was i was a <laughs> yeah. i was a gary johnson libertarian for i actually was a fan of nick sarwark at one point Okay. Oh, yes. dude! He and I got in a fight on Twitter recently. That happens all the time with everybody. He's I and think I won. Yeah, it's easy to beat that guy, <laughs> but I think hard. I think he's uh I think the problem with with Nick Sarwark is that he's actually like a masochist and he enjoys when people ratio him. Like he actually yes. gets off. I think he's like jerking off with a carrot in his ass yes. while his wife like yes. claps him or something. I don't know. Dude. It's he's not fucking, a joke. Yeah, I'm not joking. I really think he does. He used to be chair of the Libertarian Party, and now he's losing an argument to a 25-year-old YouTube streamer. He just like, got he just got voted in his own state party, 44 to 11, to not allow him yep. to be a delegate to his state convention. Dude. Good. After being the chair of the national organization three times in a row, he's a piece of shit. Anyways, um, where was I going with this? Oh, anyway, so I was a little bit Lulberty. Okay, I was mm-hmm. a little bit Lulbert kind of guy for a while. Um, and uh, and where what the fuck was I talking about before this? 
Dude, you guys just lost me. With there was something about last word trajectory. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I was I was willing to work with uh, some of those people, and um, they they burned me, and some of them have called my jobs and all kinds of shit. So I was like, "Fuck you guys!" Mm. Like I don't want to. I don't even want to be around yeah. you anymore. And then like with the Rage Against the War Machine, which is probably a, was a beautiful rally. Okay, I talked mm -hmm. to I talked to Scott about it. He's like, "Dude, there was like four people with Russian flags. They weren't the majority. Who knows who the fuck they were?" Yeah. And he's like, "They came out and apologized." And they actually did. Yeah, they came out and apologized and we, said, I, "We said do have a local connection uh, to the to the Freedom Rally." Our our former uh, Iowa chair Joe Howe uh, commented on social media about that. Yeah, he hates and he it. took it. He took the uh, the the pro Putin take. And said, I can't believe they were entertaining pro-Putin people at this right. rally. And right. it's, you know, the Rachel Maddow narrative, I guess. Yeah. You know. It's a lot of people's so, narrative. And the, the flags didn't fucking help. And the fact that there were actual yeah. Marxists there and Marxists that helped organize it didn't help. And the fact that there was two different people with credible fucking pedophilia or rape allegations didn't fucking help. None of that shit helped. It all made it look bad. And you know how the news is going to spin that, dude. Right. And, of course, the mm -hmm. next day, fucking Maddow does it, right? Yep. And and how many people watch Maddow, dude? I mean, millions of people.